Well, hello there. Come on in. Have a seat. Enjoy a beverage. And welcome to the Martini Lounge with Jonathan and Sergey. And you're back with you're us. Back. It's like you with never us. left. <laughs> Every Which Friday. Which is how that should always feel. I, so, hey, listen, if you're binge listening, is that a thing? Binge listening to us? Binge we li- don't leave. Always binge listen. Binge listen. <laughs> I, like I like that. that. It's a new thing. Binge <laughs> listen to Jonathan binge, and Sergey. Binge into that martini lounge because the boys always have fun. If you've been following always. us on our social media, you see how much fun it's been lately. <laughs> I know. We have a lot of stuff going on. I mean, yeah. we have this campaign. We have movie yeah. posters. Which is you can so be much fun. All, all, all this great shit. It's so fun. All this great shit is I right. Oh, what was it? Oh, hashtag, I love the shit. No. Love I the love, shit. Love that shit. Love that shit. Yeah, yeah. you're supposed to write it on our love sidewalk. Or sidewalks anywhere. Like if love you're in Brooklyn, go go love that shit. On go the love the shit in Brooklyn. Hashtag love that shit. Everybody Hashtag. knows you're talking about the Martini Lounge. Boys. That's right. Everybody because that's that. that's basically our new slogan, Martini Lounge. Love <laughs> that shit. Love that shit. It is. It's fucking true. <clears throat> it's an actual thing. I will say this: the yeah. uh, we as usual we put it off a little bit, but we are burning down in <laughs> in the Northwest. Oh and my the, god! The smoke is so much that it's it's, it's seriously so killing my throat. You know what's funny <clears throat> is um, I was talking to people who just moved here not too long ago, and they haven't experienced the summer yet, and they yeah. said why they were so confused. They're like, why is it so hot and yet cloudy here? And I'm like, oh honey, it's not. They're not That's clouds. Not cloud. That's smoke from how hot yeah. and dry it is. Those are fires. That's and they're what like, happens oh when Canada, Idaho, and Washington burn down burn around down. you. Like That's listen, how that works. They apparently Montana's didn't know gonna join in. that smoke could travel this far. And I was like, oh, no, it covers so the whole state. Like, sometimes it gets worse than this. It waited. Typically, fire season's oh, July yeah. through August. But we skip July mostly. Which is good. Which is beautiful. Because last Last year or the year before, the year it looked before. like Armageddon. Oh my God! There the, was actual like flakes of like burnt ash trees just ash falling. falling to the ground, and it the sky was, so, was bright orange. And I was like, so and crazy. you were in Canada, I think, or Seattle. I had just come back. Oh yeah, on that I was, one. I was texting yeah. you going, Sergey, don't come back. We're gonna die. And I came it's, back, and we're there was. all gonna die. Yes, it was super. It bad. was so yeah. crazy. Yeah. So. Well, now you see the haze in the air, mm-mm, and mm-mm, oh mm-mm. my God, it just makes me. I was, yeah, so I went to the gym this morning, and I'm, um, as I'm walking up to the gym, it's just, oh, I'm like, what is going on? It looks like the sunset is happening. Yeah. It's just orange all over. And there it is. There's that, there's that Listen, haze. girl, I Ugh. always tell people, I dated a wild line, wild land firefighter for yeah. quite a few years. Yeah. And fire seasons became my worst. Listen, when we know I have anxiety issues as it is. Yeah, and how did you do, do that? Do not date a <laughs> how firefighter. Did you do that? It was oh my god. Worst. In the summer, it was the worst time. He, it yeah. was back when the Alaska fires were so bad, like oh, 15 yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. And okay. he, you can't okay. call from there, and so he would be gone for weeks, and you don't know. People were dying. Right. <laughs> they you don't know if he's dead or if he's coming back. It was a wreck. I can't do was that ever it, again. Was it last year that, that Washington had the that. huge fires where we had to get people from like Montana, Australia, freaking like all over the country flying? Australia, yeah, I remember when those people that came was in, yeah. so crazy. Oh no! Oh, it was like weeks. I listen every single year. There's a bad fire, and I I remember a few of them distinctively. They yeah. are just so bad. They're when so I was bad. in high school, there was one that so bad that was coming into the yeah. Wenatchee Valley, which is if you don't know Washington it's right State, it's right in the middle it's of the right state. There, yeah. And we had to get out. And that's typically yeah. where it burns. Is yeah. Central Washington. It comes down it's in right the middle. There. Yep. Comes yep. Right down there. Yeah. So if you, oh. I don't know what state doesn't have wildfires because stay there. 
Yeah, I don't know where they are, but probably stay there. Florida. They don't have Florida, Florida. right? They, ju- they it's just, just have like wet. just wet always. Yeah. Wet and hurricanes. Wet and hur- See, there's their curse. I know. Hurricanes. I thought we were safe up here. No, we have fucking nope. wildfires. Listen, Oklahoma, you and get windstorms apparently. You get earthquakes and tornadoes. You get quake and is what we called yeah. them. Quake and Listen, uh-uh. I don't think there's a safe place. Yeah, in California, have... earthquake, you could die there waiting for it to fall on the ocean. I, I mean, and yet I still want to go there. Like maybe <laughs> Vermont is safe. Like middle of Vermont, it's super nothing cold happens. in the winter. That's it. Oh, okay, okay. So never mind. Scratch no, that nothing. one. There's okay, nothing. where's one place that we can be safe? Because Colorado <laughs> burns say, the fuck down. Wyoming, there's nothing there, and People that's always its own say go to misery. Arizona, but you'll die there. No, because you have scorpions that'll no. eat you, Thank and you. they you might as well be on fire. Yeah, because exactly. it's 120. Degrees. Degrees. There's nothing to burn because <laughs> it burned down already. It, it's it, gone. It it's did. a desert for a and reason. And it's trying to kill you. It's it is. 120 See, degrees sorry, on people. a daily basis. We try to stay positive, but there's oh some. My but God. here's our positive note. <laughs> you can positively hate something about everywhere. That's <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. That's right. Hey, You're maybe welcome. Hawaii. There you go. That's right? it. They Forget have gigantic the volcanoes. Orange. Forget they, that. Yeah, just that didn't Don't happen. live on that island. Live on the other ones. Right. You're fine. Right. There you go. There. People, We're move to Hawaii. It. Move to Done. Hawaii. That's <laughs> our plea. Have the pretty birds and... <laughs> oh, there. my gosh. That's I it. know. I have friends who live there. They love it. Yeah, I hear it's really expensive, though. And that... Um, like, cost of living I, and food, apparently. I heard a, a gallon of milk is $6. Yeah. Well, they have to bring it in because they don't yeah. have cow farms down there. Like, that's not a real thing. They don't. They could milk... It's an island. What animals do they have there? pigs they can so, i don't want to milk a pig chickens and stray cats Listen. so pick your <laughs> pick your milk of this choice gross you could do goat milk May, yeah there you go you could be vegan and call it good okay bitch i'm milk. hungry <laughs> so vegan does you, not no oh and they it eat would a lot of pork a lot they would eat a lot of pork so yeah no, yeah because they do great roasting of, yeah oh i roasting want of the pork. i want a luau that's what Listen, i want I'm done a luau Listen, we're going to tell our guests, hey, can you hold on? Because we're going to go do a luau really quick. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll, be we'll be back in a few hours. Yeah. And it'll be fun. It, and <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of how we go. It's a trip around the world. Listen, today we did the movie poster. You all have seen it. We Gay did Jonathan? the movie poster, Gay Jonathan, because we're going <laughs> to so be. so clever. We, I think so, too. You came up with it. I know. I, hey, listen. What can I say? I know. I, I mean, I'm, so we might I'm as well get. I'm pretty freaking amazing, aren't I? Let's get right down to what we're going to do. That's right. Well, okay. So we're going to be talking to uh, Michael McGrady, and he's an actor, writer, musician, artist, all of it. He does he does it all. And you've seen him in everything from Southland to American Crime Story to even uh, Murder, She Wrote. This man has never stopped working, and I mean that. But currently, you can watch him on Showtime's Ray Donovan with uh, Liev Schreiber as FBI agent Frank Barnes. But right now, you can find him in the Martini Lounge, appearing as himself with Jonathan and Sergey. Welcome, Michael McCready. Are you there? Hey, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me. No, well, thank you so thank much you. for taking Absolutely. time out. After, after doing all our homework on you, I don't know how you have time oh, to do it. You were exhausted just reading. <laughs> There's no time in your I'm schedule, what? sir. You're too. You're so busy. I don't know how you had time to even breathe. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I'm pretty busy. I gotta say, I'm, uh, I don't believe in letting the grass grow under my feet. Good. That, <laughs> good. That is our kind of. Guy. But you know, a rolling stone never gathers moss. Now. You actually hail from our part of the world in, in the Pacific Northwest. You went to high school in Federal Way near Seattle. Do, do you ever get back there and, and, and just hang out, see family? You know, um, I, I get back to Seattle. My sister has a place. Um, mm-hmm. She lives on Mason Lake out there, which is a real popular lake. 
Oh, yeah. I grew up on that lake as a kid. As far as Federal Way, not so much anymore. There's no more family there. It's different. It's not, you know, when I was, when I grew up there, it was a really tiny little one horse uh, town just about. Now it's a fully incorporated city and oh, huge yeah. and busy. And so I don't go back to that often, but I certainly get back to Seattle. You know, I always consider it home, even though I've been in LA for got over 30, almost 35 years. Wow. Seattle will always be home to me because, of, you know, it's where I grew up and was born and raised. And well, whatnot. sure. So, yeah. Yeah. In fact, we're going there tomorrow. Oh, oh, nice. It's a, yeah. And of course, it's like the most beautiful city. Do you even, did you ever visit Spokane? Because that's where we are. You're like, what is Spokane? Um, Spokane? Yes. Yeah, of course. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We, we used to go out there all the time. I mean, the, during the summer, the, that's out, you know, Tri-City areas. And oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, that's that. where it's you're. Beautiful. That's where we are right now, talking to you. Although we love to visit Seattle, probably more than than we should. With it's only a four hour drive. It's though. not We're that in. far. We're, We're good. We do it. Yes, it's a commitment. It's good. So. I read that you were actually planning to be a lawyer and were in college for a degree in business administration, and then your sister kind of stepped in and ruined all your plans. Can you talk to us a bit about that? Yeah, she certainly ruined my plans. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I thank her, even to this day, I thank her for ruining my plans. Yeah, I was, I was a business major at University of Washington, and... Uh, you know, quite frankly, I, I, it just seemed like the responsible thing to do, get a business degree and then do something else and, you know, get into a profession that was, uh, you know, well-paying and whatnot. But, it, you know, in my heart of hearts, I knew that um, being a businessman on any level was not going to be enough to sustain me in terms of what, you know, what, what my interests were and whatnot. And um, long story short, my sister remembered me in junior high. I was, I was really big time in the drama and stuff in junior high. In high school, I wasn't because I was into sports and I couldn't do them both at, at the same time. But mm -hmm. uh, long story short, yeah, she entered me into this contest that uh, I think it was uh, Cairo um, had. Oh, yeah. Uh, they were doing a small, like a little acting school in Seattle. Somebody was starting it up, and they were they were kind of reaching out to the local area for people that wanted to go in and try out for the scholarship to the school. And my sister, on a whim, called them and, and entered me in on, on my behalf. And she talked me into going down there. Of course, I love her dearly, so I, I went ahead and, uh, and followed through on it. Um, worked with this acting teacher who'd come out of LA, who'd done a lot of work on uh, like MASH and a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah, I right. look back on it now, she had really no resume to speak of at all. <laughs> but uh, the, the thing that changed for me, though, is we got to do it. We got to sit in live. Uh, there was a show called Seattle Today with a guy named Cliff Lenz and, and another lady um, back then. And um, we did these little scenes that were horrible. <laughs> uh, way overacted. We both, me and the girl, sucked. Uh, but uh, just sitting there with the host was so much fun because it was in a live audience, and right. you know, getting ready and all the cameras. And I thought, God, this would be so much fun. This would be a great way to make a living. So she talked me into going down to LA in 1983. I literally had a backpack, a few dollars in my pocket, and. I landed in L.A., didn't know a single person. I just started knocking on doors, spent two nights in a baseball park with all my stuff stuffed <laughs> away in a bush. And I mean, it was one of those stories, you know, wow. and it just worked out. Within a couple of weeks, one thing led to another. And I think I had my first, I think I did my very first commercial after only been there about a month. It was a national spot for uh, a fried chicken uh establishment and that money right there set me on my my little path where i could just continue that full time and 
I think that first year I did like five national spots. So I knew I was in the right spot. And I thought, well, I'll do this for a while and then go back to school and finish up and get my law degree. But I never went back. I never turned back and I never looked back and I have no regrets. I absolutely love what I do. That's amazing. I mean, that and it worked out so well for you. I mean, you went from you know sleeping in a baseball field and commercials <laughs> for a fried chicken place to shows like Love Boat and Matlock and she wrote the murder she wrote and you know it's it's crazy to see that trajectory. Now over time, have have shows changed at all? How have you noticed that TV's evolved at all? Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Right. It's- it's changed in so many ways. I was just recently talking, you know, given one of the young cast members on our show beyond, you know, one of my back in the day speeches, which I swore I'd never do, but I do all the time. Back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> well, back in the day. Yeah, you know, right. <laughs> uh, Stubborn wagon. <laughs> I, 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 they all look at me dumbfounded, like, you're not going to give us that story. Like, yeah, I'm going to give you the back of the day story. Oh, no God. deal. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so it has changed a lot. I mean, you know, first of all, what we're able to do now on TV with cable and everything oh, is yeah. so much more than what yeah. we could do then. I mean, my God, back then, I don't even think you could say, my God, without right. the censor. Yep. Um, you know, and then, of course, technology has taken it to a whole other level. But mm-hmm. it's it's interesting, guys, when you guys bring up those shows like the Murder, She Wrote and Love Boat and stuff, that seems like a billion years ago. Oh, yeah. Those shows in their day. You know, I don't know how young, how where you guys are out in the age spectrum, but back in the day, those were the shows. Those were the yeah. big shows everybody was watching. And you know, you look back on TV then, and it just seems so ridiculous compared to the stuff we have out now. And it makes me realize just how old I am. I've been around <laughs> that long. Murder she wrote what? <laughs> That well, you know, kids will also remind you every time you turn around, <laughs> just how old you are. Oh boy, trust me. So, what do you think the secret? What do you think the secret has been for you to consistently be a working actor since the '80s? I mean, you have always had had work. Yeah, I've been very fortunate. Honestly, I I, I think. You know, people have asked me that before. You know, up and coming actors, people just starting out, and. You know, I mean, really, it sounds so cliche and kind of trite to say it, but it's true. I, I've always had a passion for it. I, I still love to work. And I, when I get a gig and I'm working on a show and I have to go to work, it's, it's like Christmas. I can't wait to get to the set, uh, meet, meet the new cast members, meet the new crew, uh, work on a new character, a new script. It's, I've never grown tired of it. And I think that was a big part of it. Um, just maintaining uh, that that passion and that that zeal for, for my craft, and, and just keep wanting to get better and do different roles and different film projects and stuff. I, I've always, I still have a list a mile long of directors I'd love to work with, actors I'd love to work with, but I've not had that chance to do so. I don't feel like I'm towards any end of any quest. I feel like I've just started, and I still have a long way to go. Um, you know, and, and of course I've had trying times. It's been mm-hmm. rough at times. It's been up and down and the work, you know, it's feast or famine and we've had strikes and, and possible strikes that slowed work down. And, and somehow I, I started a family and, and, and maintained a family of three kids and weathered through all those ups and downs, you right. know, but I really believe if I had 
nail it down to one thing. I just say I just I've never lost my passion for the for the business. Well, and, and and let's take it back to you know you mentioned downs and and the hard times. Let's take it back to 1979 when you were diagnosed with skin cancer, and yet here you are, survivor. You know, living to the max, doing doing your thing. Can you tell us more about that story and how it you know changed your life? Yeah, I mean that really was the impetus to me really questioning. Mm-hmm. what I was doing at university, because that happened in 1979. I'd already had my first year of college under my belt. And, um, you know, the doctors back then, you know, melanoma, they know so much more now about it right. than they did back then. And uh, even the surgeries that they do now when they remove melanomas are not nearly as massive uh, as, as they were back then. But, um, you know, they at the time, the, the characteristics of melanoma was, was pretty, pretty it was pretty dire straits. If you were diagnosed with like a stage three or something, the mm-hmm. chances of surviving were very slim. My dad was a stage three mm-hmm. and he died the, in the one year earlier before I was diagnosed. Oh, so wow. when the doctors basically shot straight with me and they said, look, here's the deal. We're not going to candy coat it. You have about five year window um, that we have to really watch you very carefully, you know, check your blood pretty regularly and stuff. After that five-year window, if we can clear you and you and you're healthy, the chances are you'll live a, a, a relatively normal life. You you know it, it can always return because that's a characteristic of melanoma; it does return. But we can give you like an eighty percent chance that you're going to live a normal life. But until that five-year window, it's a fifty-fifty deal. Wow, we don't know. So wow. for five years, you know, I thought, well. At the very least, if I only have five years, I certainly don't want to spend those five years going to school, right. uh, going to college. And so that's why I decided to leave college and then pursue the acting career. I thought, well, I, I've got nothing to lose by trying this, and I can always go back to school, get my get my degree, and, and practice law if that's really what I want to do. But I, I sort of had this very profound, you know, aha moment, that epiphany where I, I thought, well, if I'm going to die, then I'm going to die living. I'm certainly not going to die thinking about oh. dying and being afraid to die. That's amazing. Um, I came upon a I, I came upon a quote one time by Marcus Aurelius, the great emperor and the philosopher of Rome. He said, "It's not death that man should fear, but rather having never lived." Oh. And um, oh my gosh, it really yeah. it really struck me. And I and I read that and I went, you know what? That's where it's at. So I'm going to spend the next five years doing everything and anything I can get my hands on. Right. Um, so that I won't live without any regrets. I won't look back at the end of that five years if, in fact, that is the end of my life right. and go, geez, I should have done more than just go to school. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Right. And do you think also that's part of why you can go to work every single day after so many years and still feel, like you said, like it's Christmas? Do you think that's part of what helps with that, as you know, the the darker side? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's very astute of you. I mean, that's that's what it really comes down to. It becomes a life-affirming moment when someone's diagnosed with cancer. You recognize the, the fragility of life and also the greatness of life, the, the, the profound nature of what it means to live and breathe on this beautiful earth and take in all that, that that's here for us to take in and experience and whatnot. So much, it, again, it comes down to, it sounds so cliche and, and rather trite to say it, but it's, it's true. Um, there's most of the stuff you that you think about that you, you're going to miss if you pass has nothing to do with material goods. It has nothing to do with a lot of the stuff that we seem to be chasing, but everything to do with the stuff that's free. 
you know, the, your, right. your, the love of your friends, the love mm-hmm. of your family, the, the time you spend with them, the FaceTime, nature, the beauty of a sunset, all those wonderful things that we take for granted are the things you're truly going to miss. So even to this day, I tell my kids, I got three kids, and I tell them all the time, live every day that, as though it were your last, because you don't know. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. So, you know, don't waste the day. Get out and make something happen for yourself and be thankful you had another day to, to experience this, this thing that we call the big blue marble earth, you know? Right, exactly. Right. That, it, thank you. First of all, know, thank was, you. Let's, that was church. Yeah, take and I to like church. It. That is the my Martini kind of church. Lounge church. I yes. love it. <laughs> you, and, and, and the crazy thing is you never stopped. You did live your, your life as if every day was your last and you worked on all of these tv shows and movies and 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 gotten so involved has there has there been a particular that stands out to you that you know that's your favorite that's that's the best project you've ever worked on um yeah uh you know i i think one of the one of the most exciting moments for me was a movie i did Quite a few years ago now, I did a movie called The Babe with John Goodman, where I played mm-hmm. um, Lou Gehrig. Yeah. And no one had ever, no one had ever played Lou Gehrig since um, I think it was Gary Cooper, Pride of the Yankees. Yeah. So that was kind of a distinguished um, moment. Uh, one, two, I had to learn how to bat and throw left-handed um, because I, oh. and especially a hard ball, because they they didn't have CGI back then, at right. least not to the extent they do now. So we actually, John and I, had to work with some pros and learn how to swing and, and actually hit, not only off of the batting batting uh, machines and stuff like that, but we had to eventually get to the point where we could we were comfortable standing in the box and hitting off of live pitchers, oh, wow. um, because they had University of Illinois um, ball players playing the opposing teams in the movie, so. Two and a half months in Chicago at Wrigley Field playing baseball with John Goodman and wow. a cast of wonderful Kelly McGillis and mm-hmm. I mean just a really stellar cast. Uh, and, and, and Chicago at that time was just absolutely in, in its most beautiful form in terms of its weather and stuff like that. And I think that whole experience was just really magical. Playing the role, being in the company of these these actors who I had admired and and then being in a big, huge studio movie, it was a universal picture, and it was only, I think mm-hmm. it was my third film oh, wow. ever. And, um, and you know, it, it just, it was a really, really magical experience. And I think, again, enough of those came along, guys, and enough over a few years' time that kept me going. It fed me, you know. Yeah. Every couple of years or every three or four years, I'd get a little, maybe a little bored, and then all of a sudden, a really cool role would come along or a great movie experience, and we're around a great location, and I would fall in love with my career again and fall in love with my profession and what I did, you know. And so I think it's those kinds of moments when I did The Thin Red Line, and I got oh, cut yeah. out of that movie, unfortunately. Of course, me and about a dozen other guys got cut out of it. But that two months or two and a half months spent in Port Douglas with Nick Nolte and George mm-hmm. Clooney and Woody Harrelson, I mean, all these actors who I'd admired over the years, watching them work, being able to be with them in the scene, Sean Penn, mm-hmm. um, uh, John C. Riley, that was an incredible experience. This, this cast that, of, of really A-list actors all stuck in this little dinky town <laughs> in Port Douglas, Australia for almost six months together. Wow. Uh, working on that film with Terry Malick was was an exceptional experience. So, those are two probably that stand out the most for me. You know, in terms of uh, 
Right. Really, really wonderful, magical experiences. I've had many, of course, ever since, but right. those two really stand out. See, that's amazing. And and you mentioned you really don't ever let yourself get bored. I mean, outside of being an actor, you're also a musician. You have an album called One Take, which just like the title says, was recorded in, in one take. Uh, that's an unconventional and very creative way of doing an album. What inspired you to do something like that and to reach out into music? Well, the funny thing is, I've been playing the guitar since I was, I think I started when I was 10. Oh, and wow. Okay. I was playing for my mom and dad. Right. And, my, and, and I started singing a song. Remember the, you remember the song by Otis Redding, uh, Sitting on the Dock of the Oh, bed? yeah. You remember that song? Yeah, so that's amazing. I sat my mom and dad and a bunch of their friends, and I started singing. My dad said to me, he goes, don't sing, just play the guitar. You don't know how to sing yet. <laughs> and it devastated me. Oh, it devastated me. <laughs> and here I was all ready to be one of the Beatles or something. You know, I, 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 I think I was growing my hair long. Yeah. And, oh, Jesus. So I had this huge fear of singing in front of people. Oh. So I've always been sort of this closet guitar singer guy around campfires and with my family. And I sang my kids, you know, little nursery rhymes and stuff that helped them to go to sleep. But I always mm. had a guitar with me everywhere I went. Right. I used it as a way to soothe myself, just to, you know, it was a great creative outlet. And, and, and what had happened literally was about two and a half years ago, I was playing in the front room and my wife was listening to me and she says, you know, why, why haven't you gotten out there and, and put your music out in front of people? What, is, what, what kept you from that? And I shared that story with her and very few people knew it. And she just looked at me with tears in her eyes. She goes, that's, that's sad. Because yeah. that's really sad. You, you, you've got to get out there and share what you... This is a, another gift you have, mm-hmm. Michael, and you need to get out and share it. So we talked about it, and I said, you know what? I think I might do that. So again, like everything else I've done, I sort of like, I put it out there in the universe. I make this determination I want to do something, and then I start sort of operationally breaking down what do I need to do. I found two guys I played basketball in a men's basketball league that were great musicians. One was a percussionist. The other one was a lead guitarist. They've mm-hmm. been in and out of bands their whole lives. And I asked him one time, hey, what do you say about the three of us getting together and jamming sometime? Just play some songs. The chemistry was so palpable in the room, and we had so much fun doing it. I then just flat out asked him, I said, hey, man, if I can get us some bookings around L.A., do you guys, you guys think you could, maybe we could do this thing and maybe do a few gigs here and there? And I said, you know, we need to record something so we can send out for as a promo and, and people can, you know, check us out online and for bookers and stuff. So we got together. I, I learned how to work with Pro Tools. And, I, you know, I bought a program for my laptop and put a bunch of things together. And we sat in my front room and I said, I don't have a lot of time, guys. We're going to have to just go through these one after another as though it was live. I don't care if we make mistakes. We just need to get something out there so that we can start booking gigs. So we literally just went from one song to another. We rehearsed them like for about two days. Then when we started recording, we just hit the record button and we went right down the line one after another. Wow. Ended up with that album one take. And from that, from that whole session, we picked up like nine gigs our first summer. Oh, nice. And um, yeah, like played all over LA and had a nice following and people loved the music. We did a lot of classic rock, classic acoustic rock. And some stuff that I that I wrote as well, and uh, I loved it. I mean, I to me, performance performing. But boy, when you get up on stage live and you're playing music and people are getting into it and you're moving them in a way that's profound, 
Right. It, it's so exhilarating. It's like doing theater, you know. So, yeah, yeah I'm, in fact, I stuck with it. We're still going to play probably some more this year. So Nice. That's how I got into it. That's how I got into the whole music thing. Wow. Well, it, it, and that's amazing that you say, you know, it's it's such a different experience, but it's it's like theater. It's that live connection. And, you know, it's a way to have more creativity. And that's that's what I, what we're learning about you. You just have all this endless creativity. And, and, and you're in good company here. Now, you're a writer and a painter as well, and, you know, you do this other badassery over there, but you're a writer and a painter, too. How the hell do you make time for all of it? I mean, God, it's it's exhausting. <laughs> it sounds exhausting. <laughs> I sometimes look at my own resume. I go, God, I'm exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, I, you know, it's funny. I don't, I don't know. I, I've never, I'm never really conscious of the fact that I've, I've done a lot of different things. I'm just a very curious person, and I've, right. I've learned how to self-teach myself things. Almost everything I do is self-taught. The guitar was self-taught. My painting is self-taught. You know, I always figured, you know, if you can read a book on it, or nowadays go to YouTube. There's so yeah. much that we can learn. There's very so true. much we can yeah. do, and. And I think anyone who's who's been threatened with anything life-threatening or has come out of a life-threatening circumstance, um, I think all of them will tell you the same thing, and that is that we do squander a lot of time um, doing things where we're not really participating. We're just observing life from afar. Mm -hmm. And I I made that decision that I didn't want to just be an observer, a spectator of life. I wanted to participate. I wanted to get in the fight, get in the game, make stuff happen. And, you know, again, you know, we all got 24 hours in a day. And when I see some of the accomplishments, people like Lena Da Vinci did and Michelangelo and, and, and Einstein and so many great minds, and, and what they've done with the short amount of time they have every day, which is 24 hours, right. what's my excuse? I think right. that's amazing. Why, why can't I do things? And now, if you ever need to do a resume again, you just put on there that the Mar- that Jonathan and Sergey said, you just do general badassery. That's just general what you do. General badassery. That's, that's your... That, yeah, that, you... that, honestly, that's a tagline. Yes, yeah. that needs to be always <laughs> after your name now. It should be in your credits. Yeah, general badassery <laughs> yeah. is what I do. <laughs> that's what it is. Well, and let's get down From to... Now on. Yeah, do it. I'm telling you. <laughs> We have it's I we have knighted you. Off my resume, and it's just gonna say Michael McGrady, general badass. Yes, yes. <laughs> Listen, we are we are never wrong. Oh my God. We are never wrong. So let's get down to some of the uh, some of your memorable roles. You seem to play a lot of law enforcement in those tough roles. Is that something you love to do? Um, yeah, I do. I enjoy those roles. You know, I mean, I've, I've been fortunate enough to do a lot of other different things, but that's always been my, my bread and butter, so to speak. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm six foot three. I've always been well over 220, 220 pounds, even when I was at my thinnest. And, and I've always been a bigger guy. Um, I've always been very confident, uh, you know, uh, been in leadership positions and you know, I've coached all my kids as teams and growing up when they were kids and going through soccer and all that. And, even at a young age, I was uh, on either the captain of the team or whatever. So being sort of the leader um, was always sort of a natural thing. And when you go into these law enforcement roles, a lot of times they're looking for 
that sense of authority that when mm-hmm, you walk mm-hmm. into the room, people pay attention right. because you, you are imposing, whether it's your size or your persona, or the essence you bring in a room. And I think it was just sort of naturally a part of me. So when I walk into the room, it was like low hanging fruit for these producers. Like, oh, right. yeah, that guy looks like a cop. <laughs> you know, he looks like right. a cop. He sounds like a cop. Right. He moves like a cop. And he's got even got hair like a cop. You know, so I have short <laughs> hair too. And so, and, and when they started giving me the cop roles, yeah. I realized too, at first I complained about it, but then I started watching TV a little more intently. I realized, God dang it, nine out of 10 shows are cop shows. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, so it's not job just a security. bad thing to be a cop or a detective. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because well, they would never give me that yeah. role. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, <laughs> there's a, there's other roles for you, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> now you you yeah. currently are a cop on uh, well an FBI agent on Ray Donovan, which uh, premiered with record breaking numbers. I mean, it's it, it was the biggest biggest premiere that showtime had and and has that warm welcome with the audience stayed throughout the season so far has it just always been a good show that people receive well it's it's always been a show that people re- received well yeah. I mean, even to this day it's uh, for me personally it's it's one of the things on my resume that i'm very proud of um you know first of all working with showtime it's such a prestigious uh, marquee channel uh, network and always putting out great stuff. And when when Liv, when I found out that Liv Schreiber was the lead of the show and that Ann Biederman was the creator who right. also created Southland, another show that I was on, mm-hmm. um, I jumped at the opportunity when they uh, when they brought this project to me. My my reps did. I said, guys, you've got to get me on this. I love the characters that Ann writes. She writes great mm-hmm. stuff. Smart. Uh, the characters have depth. They have breadth. They have everything an actor wants to, to portray and play. And I said, you, you got to fight. You got to get me in on this project. So mm-hmm. they did. And when they, and when Ann had found out that I was up for the role, she, of course, I'm sure jumped in and exercised some of her, uh, influence on it. And the next thing I knew I was on the show. And interestingly enough, I wasn't supposed to last even the whole season. They were supposed to kill me off after oh, like wow. four or five episodes. Um, and so throughout that, throughout that first year, I was just, assuming I was going to be killed off because everybody gets killed off in that show. Right, anyway. right, so, right. <laughs> and, and, you know, and you're just waiting for the shoe to drop. And then, uh, and then they, Anne finally came to me and said, listen, I got some great news. We're not going to kill you off. We're going to maybe keep you around for next year. And then the next year came and the next year after that, now five years into it, I'm like, wow, I'm still on this wonderful show working with this stellar cast. I mean, everybody in it is so talented and so much fun to work with. And the crew is uh, top-notch. It's all, they're all top shelf. All the camera operators, the directors we hire, they're all from the film world. And, nice. And uh, so it, it's just, yeah, it's a really magical thing. And I, and I love working on, on Ray Donovan. It's just one of those shows, and you know, that uh, I think I'll always look back on it very fondly. Um, Southland was another one I always look back on pretty fondly as well. And then there's a show beyond that I'm on yes, now that I'm really absolutely. enjoying. Absolutely. Well. Right. Right. Well, and you know, a lot of times the difference between a good show that's well written and a phenomenal hit series is the chemistry and the work ethic the cast bring to that show. How is how is your chemistry with, with people like Leave and uh and the others that you work with there? How is that there? Is that what's coming to the screen because it almost just leaps off of it? 
Well, you know, it's interesting because Leon is kind of that guy. I mean, he's a little bit like Ray Donovan. He, mm-hmm. he can be, uh, you know, he's he, he's a very he's spiritually loyal. Right. Um, he's spiritually dedicated to his craft, the, the craft of acting. Yeah. Um, he's he's a person who really cares because his name is on this thing. It's all him, and he doesn't let anything slide that's you know BS or doesn't right. quite quite ring true for him or even for other characters. He's even looking out for other characters too. Um, but the very first time I met Liev, I had a lot of respect for him as an actor because I knew him from a little bit from theater and mm-hmm. and some of the stuff, his previous work. And uh, we just really hit it off right out of the gate. The, our first scene together, there I knew who Frank Barnes was. Yeah. I knew who he was. He knew who he was. And we had a chemistry right from the get-go that that worked. And it continued right. to work. And up until my, you know, until recently... Uh, we were just talking my one of my last uh, scenes uh, this season. I said, God, Rick, I mean, um, Liv, can you believe it's been five years we started this journey? He said, wow. you know, it just seems like it was yesterday that we started this show together down at the marina. And I said, yeah. It's, <laughs> and he said, you know, it's, he goes, and he told me, he said, Michael, it's been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed working with you. And, you know, for me, it was, and it was so heartfelt the way he said it. And I thought, yeah, me too, man. It's, it's been it's been quite a ride, you know. He's he's a good guy and he's a solid actor and yeah. somebody you definitely love to do work with. But then you know, I also got to work with John Voight this year too. That yes, was a real treat right. Because yeah. I I'd done a couple of little smaller scenes with other actors in it with John, but we did some scenes just some you know a little two hander he and me, and um, God that was that was that was fantastic. And one of the guys a master craftsman, and to watch him work. Um, and to work with him, you know, you you got to bring your A game. If you don't, he'll eat you alive. Oh yes, <laughs> right. He will. Uh, he won't apologize no, for it. No, he takes, he t- <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, no, he goes for it. No, working with such great, you know, talent, especially you were talking about leaving, and and you're on Ray Donovan and a hit series, and you've had a long career. How how do you stay grounded within all of that? How do you find you know that center? Well, for me, I've never, um, I've always kind of kept my life very compartmentalized. Work is work. Yeah. And work stays where work is. And, um, you know, uh, when I was younger, of course, you know, you go through a lot of machinations in terms of being a method actor. So you don't stay for five days, you know, (laughs) stay for a week. Right. You know, you do all these things, right? And and, and I'm not putting that down because I still think there's great value in that. And I still exercise a lot of that that type of thinking and that kind of approach to my work. But I've also calmed down a little bit more over the years. I'm a little more relaxed. I know what I'm doing. I'm a journeyman now. I don't have to work as hard at it. Right. I'm very clear on how to do what I do, you know? Um, so when I, when I leave the set, I leave the set, I come home and I've established a very normal, almost I'd say beige, except for the things I do, which is with our, that are not beige, but I raised three kids, had a family, lived in a, you know, fairly plain neighborhood and coached my kids in sports and, and we did campfires and going to the beach and, you know, roast marshmallows and, you know, we did all the things a lot of other families did and, and got, you know, I, I, I don't know, I, I think honestly, I just, that grounds me being with family, being with my wife, my current wife now, mm-hmm. um, especially has really grounded me. Um, 
I've, I've always looked at acting as a very a privilege. It's, it's a privilege to, to be an actor mm-hmm. and to be doing something that I truly enjoy. Because I know there's so many people out there that are doing things, not necessarily because they enjoy it, but it's how they, they make their cheese. True. And um, I'm, I consider myself very, very lucky, very fortunate, and I'm knocking on wood daily mm-hmm. that I get to do what I do. So I certainly don't take it for granted. Uh, and like I said, when I when I am at home, I don't talk shop much. Um, we I switch it off, and I, I just I become just dad or husband or right. you know whatever the case may be. Right. You know, I think so. Um, yeah, I think family keeps you grounded. See, I think that's amazing. You are a very fascinating man. I've got I've got to say it. It's been an honor to speak to you. Now, before we let you go to continue your general badassery of your life. We are just going to ask, just can you tell our listeners where and when they can see the amazing show, Ray Donovan? It starts, uh, I think the premiere is August 6th. Mm-hmm. It's on Showtime. And I'm not sure, I, I, I want to say that's a Sunday. I believe, um, I believe it is. Yeah, because I believe we air on Sunday evenings. I come in, my storyline starts, of course, you know, jump on board day one because Susan Saran is one of the major guest stars this year and she's so incredible. So fun, yes. Um, I think I come in around the fifth episode. I'm in the sixth and seventh as well and another one. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, the show starts, premieres August 6th and, and you got to check it out because, I mean, I watch it. I'm in right. the show, but I enjoy watching it. It's one of my go-to shows that one of my guilty pleasures, if you will. Love that. Um, but uh, yeah, you got to check it out. And yeah. we'll be watching, and so yeah, we will. And you can and... also go to michaelmcgradysite.com if you want more on this amazing man. And we can all, you now need to like write a book on how to be a general badass, and we will all go. We're yeah. ready. We're there. <laughs> We're there for the lecture, the t shirt, the there. Book, yeah. all of it. We're in. We are pre buying that book. It hasn't even been written. We are pre buying. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> thank, well, <laughs> thank you, sir, so much for it. coming into the lounge. We had so much fun with you. Uh, you guys are rock stars. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, man. You guys take care of yourselves, okay? You, you too. too. Have Bye. a good, safe trip to Seattle. All right, brother. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was, of course, Michael McGrady. He is not only an actor, he's a painter, he's a writer, he's a musician. And you can find him on the hit Showtime series that just got uh, greenlit for, or it was greenlit for season six. It was. Ray Donovan. It premieres this this Sunday at nine o'clock. Check your local stations to find the the time there. Um, That's this. And he is amazing. So check out Ray Donovan. First of all, how do you, I mean, Ray Donovan's a great, great show. Can't wait to watch the the new season. But what a story, I tell you. Oh my God. I mean, I find that my favorite part about our job is that everybody's got a story. Everyone does. Fascinating. Thank you. The stories are way more than just. Yes. The, way more than just the entertainment part. Way and, more than just the right. acting or the singing or whatever. Everybody's right. got this fascinating story. And they have a good, you know, that that journey, you know, yeah. of how they got to where they are. It's yeah. not just an overnight success. And that, let me just tell you, that's the beauty of the lounge. The lounge is where you tell your story. That's right. It's where Listen, you, you, you ev- share your journey. Everywhere you else you go, you you have two minutes. You're going to hit all the highlights and then you're going to get gonna off stage. You're going to promo your show and that's With great. With the boys, listen, I feel like it always listen. turns into a, a little bit of church. Oh, a little, <laughs> a little bit of church. A lot of church. Yes. It's and church I on Friday. love that. First of all, he is a general badass. Oh my god. He just is. <laughs> yeah. What doesn't he do? General badass. Listen, we wrote 
we wrote hey, Michael McGrady's I, resume. Just there. Very listen, quick. It's quick because there's so much on there. All you have yeah. to say is general badassery, Gen, period. General badassery. Exclamation First of point. all, so we're going through questions today, and my favorite moment yeah. was reading. And you wrote that question. Yeah. <laughs> reading. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> he worked that well, in yep, there real well. Just, boop, there it is. And I'm going to put this right here and not apologize. He, listen, everybody, this is your challenge this week, okay? Oh, let's hear it. Every single day, pick one thing that makes you a general badass. I Listen, just, and it's I something love that's that. out of your comfort I zone, something that you want to do. Yeah, you know, maybe it makes you, but just do it. Yeah, who I, the fuck cares? Remember, be, everybody is a badass. I know fearless. this. Be fearless. That's yeah. right. That's right. Be fearless. Um, everyone's a badass. Everyone. Everybody's and, a badass. And just go find that. Go, Listen, go find what you're a badass at. I think that's be so much. I I'm totally inspired by this. This yeah. was a great conversation. Listen, I'm excited. Also, uh, mm. you should get in touch Tell with me. the boys and take a picture of you doing something out of your comfort zone. I would love that. Please. Let's and see thank you. how you are a general badass. Hashtag that shit with Hashtag. show us your fearless. Send us your pictures, we see comments, it. everything. Post, you know what? If you want to email it to us, it. you can email it to any us. You it. can find that email at jonathanisfeargay.com or... You can also go to our social medias. That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Jonathan, and Sergey. Find us. Find every us. Friday, find the Martini Lounge where all amazing podcasts are stored. You can get it on your iPhone if you want to go to uh, iTunes, iTunes to, or you can go to Stitcher yep. if you have a Droid. You yep. know what? Just go. Podbean, Listen Google to the show. Music. We're there. We're Send there. us your, We're there. your thoughts. Look out for the next movie poster. Look out for the next You Can Me song because it's coming. Listen, we love you. Which Just is look why. out. Okay? This is why we do what This we is why we do And remember, you love this shit, okay? Love I love this, this shit. shit. Come on. That's how it goes. So, <laughs> until next Friday. Bye, bitch. Bye. The Martini Lounge is made possible by... Insert your name here. And also... We're looking for ads. And don't forget... You can display your business right here. The Martini Lounge can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Jonathan and Sergey. And also our website, jonathanandsergey.com. Until next time, all you cool cats. <laughs>